the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. It's a beautiful day to be talking about the Buckeyes. It's a cold day, so I'm not happy about that. But it's always a beautiful day when we get to talk about the Buckeyes, especially after a long bye week. Um, great games were on last week, but it's not the same when the Buckeyes aren't putting up 60 on somebody. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It is it is a great day to talk about the Buckeyes. Uh, but it is always a sad day whenever we have the honor, uh, the dishonor of talking about I was offense, which is going to be a big part of the show today because we've got some thoughts. We got a lot of thoughts about their offense, but outside of that, I, I'm excited. Uh, I think it's going to be another good weekend of college football. Uh, I think this is a good test for Ohio State. See how serious they are, and that's what I'm excited about. I'm I'm excited because we go through the schedule. The Notre Dame game was tough. You know, first game jitters, all that. You lose Jackson Smith and Jigba. Go to the second game. Uh, if I remember correctly, that was Toledo or Arkansas State. Flat, not a fun game to watch. Toledo, that was fun, but it was still Toledo. Uh, you keep going down the list. It's not like Ohio State's played anyone that's been like exciting to play yet. Like, so I think Iowa, just with like the lack of playing them all the time, with how few times we've seen them over the last decade in a lot of ways, that, that's what's got me excited. You know, Wisconsin was on the verge of firing their coach when we played him. Rutgers is Rutgers. Michigan State's down this year. So I think this is finally a time where we get to talk a game. And I was offense is ruining it, but I think it's going to be the most fun game of the year so far. Yeah. I don't know, man. I can't say anything positive about Iowa. Um, I think Toledo was the most fun game of the year because Daquan Finn was fun to watch. Um I think you lost. Yeah, you had me until you said fun. This is going to be a, for me. This is going to be a very important game because, like you said, their defense is good, and so and like this is like picking hairs. But like Stroud has thrown interceptions in three straight games. Like, it, yeah. like I, if they go out and like pick apart this defense just like surgically and do whatever they want to, and I mean in the air because I know for a fact they can run the ball on this team because Michigan did. And uh, so did Illinois. And Michigan may have a better running game than us. I don't think they have a better running back, but like a better run game design, potentially. I'm going to give them that. Um, But they can't throw the ball for shit. So if Iowa knew that they were going to run the ball and they couldn't stop it, I think we can run on them. But if like Stroud goes out there and is like freaking, you know, 70% completion, three, four touchdowns, no interceptions, like that's going to be, uh, I'm yeah, going to be I, uncontrollable. So that happens. You can't hold me back on the Stroud for Heisman talk anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, like, I'm so tired of the Hendon Hooker thing. Like, he had his day. Let's go. One game doesn't win you the Heisman. Yeah. And I, I think. You know, there's plenty of opportunities for Stroud to figure it out, but I'm with you. I think this is a game where that interception streak creeps into my mind quite a bit because 
Iowa's going to want to hold on to the ball. They're going to want to eat as much clock as they can and make this a defensive battle, which they feel like they can win any defensive battle because they do have a really good defense. So this is not a game where you could waste possessions with turnovers. This is not a game where you could waste possessions with turnovers in your own half because Iowa, for whatever they are bad at, they are really good at forcing mistakes, being patient defensively, and staying organized. So it's really going to test really just the mental fortitude, I think, of C.J. Stroud, the receivers. Can they be patient? If the big play is not there, will they check it down? Will they live to see another day? Because that's really how you beat Iowa is you don't play into the hands of their defense, which is waiting for you to make a mistake rather than trying to force you to make a mistake. Yeah, I agree. See, the thing and why you're much better at this than I am is, like, I I just – the problem is I don't think that I was offense – and I know we're going to get there. We're going to talk about the fun thing first, which is their defense. I don't know that I was offense can move the ball enough to keep it – like to keep the ball. Like I think Ohio State's gonna win the time of possession. And it's solely because like I was gonna three and out. Like they're gonna punch so much in this game. And if they yeah, get got into a, a situation punter. like the thing that Ohio State does not want to happen is Iowa gets like 20 yards on one drive, and then that allows their punter to put us in the 10, and then we stall out, punt it, and like they're constantly putting us back where every drive has to be 90 yards. That happened Absolutely, against Michigan yeah. State, and we scored on all of them, but Michigan State's defense isn't Iowa. So that would it's be like my biggest opposite. concern. Like I, I just don't think they're going to move the yeah. ball. My biggest concern would be having to go 90 yards on this defense all the time consistently especially without they can turn those turnovers into touchdowns like we've seen them do it multiple games when they force a turnover inside the 50 on that side and that's something i don't think ohio state it's something you should worry about but it's something they're capable of yeah it's definitely something to acknowledge um you know and so this feels like a game that Ohio State would need like five turnovers to lose because of how bad their offense is. Um, but it's just like, and how good our defense is looking. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think this is, like I said, I don't care about the run game. I think that's going to be effective. This game is going to be very instructive for me for the passing game. Can the young guys get open on these corners and these safeties? Can they stay on the same page and find, you know, uh, some space in zone? I don't think Iowa has that good of a pass rush. They're probably going to drop eight. Can CJ Stroud stay patient? Uh, and if he can, I think they're just going to pick him apart. Like, Yeah. And the, the other sucky thing about this matchup is CJ Stroud's weakness. And it's like a very like non glaring weakness, but when he's missed this year, he's missed high and that's, they sit back, they play coming forward, their safety. So that's a dangerous combination. So he's just going to have to be on his game. um, Not, you know, overthrowing the ball. And that's like, that's not something you could just like say, and it happens. Like it's, just something you got to hope for, honestly. 
Yeah, um, definitely. Because that's, you know, tipped balls. Like, I'm not so sure that CJ is going to just, like, throw him one. But you got to worry about tipped balls, him and throwing high. That's like, a tip drill. That yeah, kind of is. stuff is really what you want. You know, it hits the wide receiver right in the hands, and he just drops it, and they're right there to, to kind of catch it, that kind of stuff. Like, I don't think we can lose this game, but I think it could get really ugly. And I don't think Ohio State is in a place right now um, where they can win ugly. I mean, like – you can always win ugly because a win is a yeah. win, but just narrative wise with the things going on, the Heisman, like some of the other things that we want to happen, um, winning ugly is not, you know, it's going to be super yeah. productive for us. Team goals wise, I'd say it's fine to win ugly for yeah. the lofty expectations this fan base has and what they want to accomplish. You can't win ugly. So no, a win is a win. But yeah, you know, a win is not always a win. Win, you know. I know we're saying this right now, and like it's easy for us to take that step back on on Thursday when we record. And be like, yeah, no, we could come out with a win. Like that's great. But like, I know Saturday the minute. Ohio State doesn't score a touchdown on their first series. I'll be, or if they don't, you know, like if they do, I'll be like lit up. But if they don't, I'll be a. I'll be firing off tweets. So, yeah, I'm going to talk trash anyway because, you know, I always do during games. But I just genuinely, like, if I'm being completely honest, looking at the ins and outs, I don't think we can lose this game. And it's solely because, like, like okay, so let's let's do. We don't typically give. All we do give score predictions. Let's um, let's play a game really quickly before we move on. If Ohio State loses the game, what would the score be? Because you can't say like like if like, if Iowa could put up thirty, you could tell me that they win thirty one to twenty eight, yeah. something like that. But they yeah, can't I'm put thirty one. When CJ strike those say, two or three interceptions, they get a pick six or something like that. Like if Iowa won, it would be because they won like twenty five to like eighteen. And nobody in this country is stopping is keeping Ohio State at eighteen. Yeah, and that's that's where it's hard to envision them losing. And, like, I think when we get to, like, some of the takeaways from the press conferences this week, like, the coaches are paying them absolutely incredible amounts of respect. And, you know, I I generally kind of, like, pop in and listen to a couple of the other Ohio State podcast feeds. And it, it feels like a lot of people are treating this game like it's Rutgers because I was offense is bad. And I, I don't want to do that. Uh, I, I We've all seen Spencer Petras. We've all seen the Iowa offense struggle. We know that's how it is. Um, but I, the reasons I think Ohio State's going to win is because their defense is played with a lot of discipline. Like I don't think Spencer Petras is the guy who could challenge the corners on the outside. And... I, I don't think their defense could hold. Like they gave up, like you said, 200 yards rushing to Illinois, 200 yards rushing to Michigan. They gave up 300 yards passing to Rutgers. And I can tell you one thing: Ohio State's not Rutgers. Mm-mm. So the more the the more that math you do, the more this game gets less nerve wracking, and you realize like there are, there's only one way Iowa wins this game, and it's if CJ Stroud comes out and throws five interceptions and like three of them are turned for touchdowns. Basically. And I just don't see that happening. And, and also, like, you know, let's, like, if we're going to talk about it, they have a great secondary and, like, all of that kind of stuff. But, like, can they keep up with the Mecca Igbuka and, and Marvin Harrison? Marvin like, Harrison. Can, like, if they just we run straight, play. if they just Anyone run straight, like can they keep up with them? Like, that's a great question. 
Uh, can that safety help get over top in time? I don't know. I don't. They haven't played anybody with that caliber of receiver yet. So it's going to be a learning experience. But, yeah, you want to get more deeper into Iowa defensively, and then we could get into how bad their offense is because it's t- it'll be fun to make fun of us. Do I we got to? No. Will we? Of course. We got it. We got to do our jobs. We got to do what you guys come here for on a Friday. We got to talk about the game. We got to talk about Iowa respectfully. As respectfully as we can. Because as much as I joke about it, I did the film preview. I did that. I sacrificed my time. I sacrificed the man hours to watch through two or three of Iowa's most recent performances. And I can tell you, that was hell. Plain and simple. And those were the condensed, shortened versions. Yeah, and I listen. Condolences, doing, man. Yeah, you're doing the Lord's work because I had to do I, something different. I can't imagine Iowa fans, man. I can't. Like, it is not fair to have like a respectable fan base like Iowa having to suffer through the Brian Ferentz experience. But I want to save it. I want to save it. I want to save it. But I kind of just want to jump on them right now. But I, I want to get. Like you said, let's get the good out of the way that Iowa does well. We'll save what everyone's here for for the next part. Yeah. And that's roasting Brian Ferentz. That's what everyone wants to do when Ohio State plays Iowa. So let's get into their defense. Oh, my stats site, teamrankings.com. They've got the overview here. And I, I will say this. I was a team that controls tempo incredibly well because their offense plays at a molasses pace, and their defense doesn't really necessarily get off the field, but they do not give up many big plays. So when teams do drive on Iowa, they have to earn every step of that drive. Yes. So when you when you look at their points per games, 11.2, that's good for third in the country. That's not a lot of points. Um, but I, I just want to make sure that is contextualized a little bit because Iowa has played – an FCS team, granted the number one FCS team in the country, I believe. They played Iowa State, not an offensive powerhouse. They played Nevada. They played Rutgers. They played Michigan, and they played Illinois. Uh, is there a single offensive powerhouse that you see on there? Uh, no. The best uh, so, one might be Illinois, and they don't put up a lot of points. They're just a, a, a like a competent offense. Yeah, like statistically, Michigan's the best offensive team there right now, and that's also with them weighted with Colorado State, UConn, and Hawaii. So, once again, trying to come with some objectivity, there is some examples of why Iowa's defense might not be as good as the numbers say. Uh, yards per game, they're top 10, 293.6. Uh, opponents, points per play, this is a good stat, 0.153, number one uh, in the country. And then opponents, yards per play, 4.0, number three in the country. They don't give up yards. They don't give up big plays. When I was doing stats for Ohio State, when I was looking into like their top 10 defense metrics, like it is crazy how much like that Braylon Allen 85 yard run affects the yards per play stat. Yep. And it's crazy how like those four or five passes Michigan State completed affects the yards per play stat. Uh, so they're just not giving up big plays, and you've got to yeah. commend them for that. And that comes from Phil Parker. Like, honestly, Phil Parker is the only good aspect about Iowa football. Yeah, honestly. Um, 
And but so that's why um, personally, this is a soft plug. That's why I prefer to use stop rate, which is kind of a newer thing. Yeah, literally, all it takes, like you said, is one long drive from your backup to like you know ruin some of the statistics. But Iowa is a very sound defense, right? They don't make a, a lot of mistakes. They're uh, senior laden, like they have a lot of older guys, a lot of um, you know battle tested guys. Like Riley Moss would have been a draft pick last year. He didn't go. Um, it was when they were playing scrubs, but one of their corners, I can't mm-hmm. think of his name, has three interceptions on the season already, I think. Um, so, like, it's going to be... It's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be a tough game because it's Iowa. Like, yeah, I think that it's I a helmet game for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. Um, basically, I guess I'll say this: This is gonna be the game that determines if Ohio State's offense is unstoppable, as it looks. Yeah, because it, there it, are ways to pick apart Iowa. It's just that most teams aren't good enough to do it. And if anyone can do it, we can do it. Yeah, no, I agree 1,000%. Um, I'm just looking at the stats here. Uh, I like footballoutsiders.com because they do the FEI. Um, they're number three in the country in defense to FEI. That's nine spots better than Ohio State. Uh, but guess what? Ohio State has the number one offensive FEI in the country by almost an entire point. So uh, it's really a battle of differentiating philosophies. One program is living in the 21st century on both sides of the ball, and the other still thinks Brad Banks is the quarterback, and it's 2002, and they're competing for a national title. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The worst – well, I don't want. I guess no. I'll save that. I'll save that for when we talk about the offense. Yeah. Um, so do you I think you want to you want to get into the Jack Campbell conversation real quick. Let's get this out of the way. Yeah, I, I yeah. think this is fun. I think this will be fun for Ohio State fans. Um, before um, we before we switch to that, I just want to say I just want to ask you this because um, I've been putting. What are you looking for from the offense? Like, what do you want to see the offense do um, in this game? Uh, first thing, uh, staying ahead of the chains. So if you guys like no penalties, no false starts, no holdings, like no loss of yardage plays. Like if it's first and 10, you're getting a second and seven. If it's first and 10, you're getting a second and three. You're just always moving forward because that's where Iowa really gets into their strength is when they can force you to lose yards on first down, that's when they play the sticks and they do that better than anybody in the country. The other thing, no turnovers. I think that's a pretty simple, not a simple request, but I think that's pretty, if they don't turn the ball over, that's great. And then the last one would be scoring touchdowns in the red zone when they get there. Um, I was 15th in the country in red zone scoring and they hold a lot of teams to field goals when they get down there. So when the field short shrinkens, they they turn into a even better defense. So I just think I don't know. RJ Young had the stats pretty drawn out with how impressive they are. Uh, look at that, and then you see what I was done in the red zone with how many field goals they've held teams to. That's really the battle. That's where this game's going to be the difference between hey, this Ohio State offense is unstoppable. Or, all right, they still have some 
things they need to work on. Yeah, um, that that is um, that's all true. I think for me, there's a couple of things that I want to see. Um, you mentioned the red zones. I want to see us be able to score. Um, I, I really want to see the money stuff, right? I want to see us be able to pick score in the red zone, and I want to see us be able to pick up third downs and short yardage. Um, I think, you know, yeah. between the 20s, you know, we're going to pick up 15, 20, 30 yards. We're going to be able to run this kind of stuff. But the other thing that keeps them in it is field goals, right? Because if you kick a couple field goals and then they get a pick six, that's a, you know, that's a huge swing. Um, and so I want to see uh, the... I want to see the money stuff, right? When times get tough, because they will at some point when you need the down, and especially early, like if we get a fourth and one, I don't care where it's at on the field because their offense is so bad. If we get a fourth and one in the first second, first drive, go for it. Go for it Absolutely. and just like listen. Like, you know, this is the this is what we're doing. We're taking this game serious. Um, and we're going to crush you. And so uh, I think that's the biggest thing for me. And then ultimately, like I kind of mentioned earlier, just patience, right? I think that we're going to get open and, and things like that. But I would like to see um, efficiency, you know, even if it's yeah, not absolutely. for deep, deep plays. I would love to see Stroud go 17 for 20 and, and that kind of stuff. Because um, like we mentioned in one of these games, that's an NFL type throw, right? Like the thing that stopped a lot of NFL quarterbacks and things that they're doing now is this drop eight thing and, and not getting too aggressive. And I would like to see him hit the check down and throw it to the running back and, and pick up a couple of yards, like, you know, not get too aggressive in certain areas, because I think that's when you start to make some of those mistakes. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I think not pressing and picking up those third downs. I, I like those are like the red zone, third down, and not turning the ball over, the three most important things any football team can do. And it doesn't matter how you do it. I think it, like teams all over the country are showing there's different ways to do it. But those are the three most important things to me. I think we hit all of them. That's what we want to see. And if they can do those things well, uh, I, I can see it looking a lot like the Wisconsin game. Yeah, for sure. Without and, um, as many points from Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that um, – I think this is a game we win no matter what. I just want to see us win it a certain way, I guess, is how yeah. I'm going to uh, – Yeah, for sure. So with the uh, before the Jack Campbell conversation, this just popped in my head. What will happen if Ohio State wins this game by forty points? And this is just fully like, like it could happen. I'm not saying it will happen. This isn't me making a bold prediction here. I'm just saying if Ohio State wins this game by forty points, do people view that as a great success for the Buckeyes because it's Iowa, or do they think, man, I was three and four. They actually suck. Um, like you I think, think this depend- is a good resume. Like, boost if they de- do that, I think it depends on who you're asking. I think people who have some common sense will say Ohio State is legitimate because of their offense and because of the way they moved the ball in this defense and that kind of stuff. And 
CJ Stroud is unstoppable and that kind of stuff. But I don't think the win is a good win. I just don't think the win can be a good win when it makes them three and four. But like individually dominating their defense uh, for people who kind of, you know, um, understand things are going to, I think it'll it'll show a lot for sure. Yeah, because that's how I feel about it. If you understand what Iowa's defense is, like if you could score 40 points on them, that's impressive. Like winning the game's not as impressive as scoring forty points on them, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah. All right, so it's time for a conversation about the all American teams. And you know, I, I, I get bothered a little bit because I feel like our guy gets no respect. So I wanted to do like a resume comparison. Uh one linebacker has six games, twenty-four solo tackles. 38 assisted tackles, 62 total tackles, three tackles for loss, and then zero sacks, zero interceptions, one pass deflection. And then the other guy has 28 solo tackles, 22 assisted tackles, 50 total, six TFLs, two and a half sacks, no interceptions, and then one pass deflection. And one, one, I'll put it more, the second guy, he doesn't play in many fourth quarters. So if you if you had an All-American vote, who are you picking between those two? I mean, I'm, uh, you know, uh, biased, but I'm picking the guy who impacts the game in more ways. The tackles for losses, the sacks, um, I think that, that speaks to uh, a significant impact, in my opinion. Um, versus yeah. just like sheer number of tackles, but um, that's just me. Yeah. So uh, for those of you guys listening along, I'm assuming you guys could guess one of those players. Player one, the first guy I read out is fifth year senior Jack Campbell, and then the uh, other guy is Tommy Eichenberg, Ohio State's very own. Uh, I, I think putting these stats side by side has been a really good measuring stick for me because. Everyone preseason, Jack Campbell, defensive player of the year. I think that's who I voted for in our land grant, Holy Land poll uh, preseason. And now I'm seeing Tommy Eichenberg with more of those stats you brought up. And I'd consider those money stats for a linebacker uh, because a lot of linebackers can make tackles. But how many plays, how many of those tackles are impacting the game? Uh, And Tommy Eichenberg – is living in backfields. He's a weapon as a blitzer. And you're not seeing that same Jack Campbell that you saw last year where he's flying all over the field and making every single tackle. Uh, But that's the thing. I saw a lot of midseason All-American teams. No love for Tommy Eichenberg. Yeah, I thought that was crazy. Like, what are you watching? I feel like we're watching one of the best linebackers in college football every single week. And he's not getting any respect. And the reason I brought it up is because I think this is the type of game where he has a direct counterpart across from him and he could definitively outplay him statistically. Yeah, and I mean, I think that he will. So, um, like I said, so we were talking about this before. Um, and I was like, so Tommy needs to get to 100 games. 
he needs to play certain teams that'll help him out. And I said, Wisconsin, Iowa, and one other team, he'll have like 10 plus sacks because of how they play. Tommy could have, uh, you know, I'm expecting like 12 tackles this game. Yeah, I mean, they run wide zone, they run inside zone. That's all Iowa does. So he should be able to make some plays in the run game. But, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up for, like, a perspective. Like, Jack Campbell, the one everybody loves. Everyone's like, man, this guy's good. Did you know Jack Campbell played tight end at Cincinnati for a year? Wait, what? Yeah, I was looking at his CFB reference page. And linebacker at Iowa, Cincinnati, freshman, tight end, no stats, linebacker at Iowa. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was weird. That was a weird thing that I saw. I don't know. If anyone knows the story behind that, send me a link to it because – I can't imagine Jack Campbell playing tight end. No, not at all. Like, is he that big? I don't know. I don't have a size. Oh, let's pull it up. I got I got the page still open. Jack Campbell is 6'5", 243 pounds. I did not think he was 6'5". Jesus. Why is he a linebacker? Right. That's yeah, crazy. 6'5", linebacker. does not look 6'5". That's why he's a linebacker. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't uh, think he was small, but I didn't think he was like. Yeah, I was gigantic. thinking he was probably in that same range as Tommy. Honestly, like that, like six two, like two thirty. I guess we were wrong. I mean, yeah, I was definitely true. wrong. But man, he is a. Yeah, I guess he is big enough to play tight end. I mean, he should probably still be a tight end. At that size, Jesus. Yeah, well, look at all the good tight ends Iowa has that they don't use. That's why he's playing linebacker. Ah, so he's he's not good. Got it, got it, got it, got it. That is or he actually wants to be used. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, I, I think it's time. I think it's time to stop beating around the bush here. Let's get into the, the, uh, the ism that's plaguing the United States of America, nepotism. Um, Brian Ferentz is the prime example of why all those stats about second generation family businesses failing are existing, like 60% of them. It's because Brian Ferentz, him specifically, he got a bunch of good jobs because his dad knew people. He came back to Iowa. They fired their offensive coordinator, and Kirk Ferentz said, I'm going to give this job to my son, Brian. And before we get into Brian Ferentz, I just want to show you how bad the work he is doing is. 120th points in game per, per game, 127th in yards per game, 122nd in yards per play. Uh, 114th and third down conversion percentage. They get 31% of their third downs. Atrocious. It is one of the worst offenses that's ever existed on the planet Earth, and it is offensive to watch. Like the FCC shouldn't allow this on TV without a TV mature audience label because it takes a strong willed human being with a level of maturity 
to understand that like what is going on is not normal and you shouldn't be watching it. Yeah, I mean, I, I talk all the time about like how I'm a sicko and this and that and that kind of stuff. I don't watch Iowa games. Like, I watched the one against Illinois because at this point I've watched every Illinois game. But, like, I, I don't watch Iowa games. Um, I care too much about my mental health and my sanity to do that. And I refuse. And so it's just like for anyone watching Iowa games, why? Let's talk about it. Yeah. That's. Let's really get into that. Like, dig deep. What is going on in your life that you're willing to put yourself through that kind of traumatic experience every Saturday? I would really like to know. I am voluntarily watching this game this weekend, not because of Iowa. Because Ohio State has the unfortunate pleasure of playing Iowa. And, you know, it's crazy to me because it's not like Iowa was bad, like, five years ago on offense, like when they beat Ohio State. They had Nate Stanley, who was a really good quarterback. They had TJ Hawkinson. They had Noah Fant. They had, like, incredible tight ends. They had pretty good running backs. And then their defense was a normal Iowa defense. But whenever Brian Ferentz took over the job, I'm I'm pulling up his Wikipedia page because I I think we need to get this guy on trial for crimes against humanity. Uh, His offenses go against the Geneva Convention. You know, anything you could kind of say about human rights is something Brian Ferentz needs to be put on trial for. Um, he got the offensive coordinator job in 2018. So the year, like, he was a co-offensive coordinator in 2017, I believe. And that is that is not good. It's gotten worse every single year. Every single year since he got the job, Iowa's defense has gotten worse. And remember, Jordan, me and you were talking this offseason, there's no way Iowa's offense could get worse because it was already at the bottom. It was as bad as we thought an offense could be. I know I talked to a lot of people about that, but no, it did get worse. It's even worse than I've ever seen. Yeah, they found a way, and that is kind of uh, mind-blowing to me, honestly, that it could be that much worse. Um, I Like, I don't know, man. I'll never understand it. Um, it doesn't make sense in, like, today's day and age to have an offense this bad because it's not that hard to coach offense. So... Um, Especially when you think of like the I like I really hate to be this this person, but it, it is true and kind of like in general, um, when you uh, like think about the rule changes and the different things that are made to benefit offenses and stuff like that, for your offense to still be this bad, um, I don't know. So like, yeah, I didn't think it could get much worse, and somehow it's significantly worse. Yeah. Uh, to replug my film preview again, there was a play where Iowa had two receivers lined up to the boundary side of the field. They had a tight end to that side. And guess what they did? They motioned their running back out there to create quads to the boundary. And they ran three routes right at the corner, and none of them got open. They had three receivers basically on one guy. And this is where. Brian Ferentz's coaching is bad 
the wheel route had a perfect opportunity to sit because the corner bailed right at the sticks in third and six. He didn't sit. Spencer Peaches threw a ball eight yards away from the wide receiver. And it was the most Iowa offensive play Iowa could have ran in that film preview that I did. And that's almost every play. That's like anytime they pass the ball, that's mostly what happens. Yeah. Um, so I didn't get a chance to read this article, but like there was an article about like Iowa's um, red zone offense or whatever, like goal to go situations. And they like cons- essentially the the gist of what I got from it is that they basically consistently um, throw the ball short of the end zone. Yeah, it is. It's wild. It It, it makes no sense. And, like, that's the thing is, like, if you know your strength isn't throwing the ball, why don't you run the ball? And, like, why don't you coach your team, like, to run the ball better? Like, it's not like they're bad at passing the ball, so they have to rely on the run game. Uh, And their run game gets stuck because teams are keying on that. No, it's because they're also bad at their run concepts, at blocking their run concepts. And for an offensive line coach, his offensive line is bad. And I always like the quarterback's coach, and that is probably the worst thing you could have done. I have never seen – and Spencer Peters wasn't good. He's never been good. But I haven't seen a quarterback regress this badly since I honestly want to say Adrian Martinez. And he was still an okay quarterback. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to think. Like, no, Ryan Holinsky's not. Maybe Noah Vidral, maybe? Yeah, I, I uh, even think Noah Vidral improved as Richards yeah, improved is, a little bit. Yeah, and, and I think the craziest thing about it is, like, maybe the one quarterback who has potentially, like, uh, regressed more than him is his backup because they won't even they won't even try to play the backup. Yeah, we don't see what they see in practice. That's what Brian Ferentz said to the media. Uh, but, yeah, you, I've got the stats here. Uh, eight games uh, his sophomore year. 140 completions, 57%, 1,569 yards, nine touchdowns, and five interceptions. Best yards per attempt, best uh, air yards per attempt, best touchdown to interception ratio, best quarterback rating. All right, 2021, full-time starter, worse. Uh, same completion percentage, less yards per throw, less yards per completion, uh, 10 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Uh, so far this year, he is on pace for these same exact stats, but he's only thrown two touchdowns and he has three interceptions. So where is he going to find eight more touchdowns this year? I have no idea. And uh, it, it sucks. It sucks because I, I it's easy to make fun of Spencer Petrus, but like I can't even fully put the full blame on Spencer Petrus. I mean, a decent amount of it, but like, like, can you imagine having a season where your quarterback doesn't throw for ten intercept, doesn't throw for ten touchdowns? Yeah, at the Power Five level, when you're looking to compete for conference championships, I just can't imagine that. Like, there, there's like, there's nothing in me that can imagine a quarterback not throwing. For ten 
touchdowns. That's not a touchdown a game. Yeah, it's it's insane, honestly. Uh, I'm just looking like their leading rusher has 236 rushing yards. Like, there's not a single stat here that gets me excited about any players. Uh, who? What? I said Sam Laporta was a guy I can see being an all big 10 tight end. He's honestly the only redeeming offensive weapon. And as we saw, Ohio state took care of Michael Mayer and I, I'll go out on a limb and say Tyler Buckner is a better quarterback than Michael Mayer. Uh, or not, not that was bad. Then Spencer Petrus, Michael Mayer is probably a better quarterback than Bosa. So I'm still not wrong. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I don't really know if you got to go out on a limb for that one. Yeah, because at least, like, Tyler Buckner could run the football. Watching Spencer Petras throw the football makes me nauseous. I like just being honest. Like, he – everything's flat-footed. He's got an elongated release. He's got – remember when everyone would, like, debate Tim Tebow's, like, throwing motion where he'd drop the ball down all the way to, like, his waist and then make that big winding motion to throw? hmm Picture that, but, like, two times slower. So even if he has an open receiver, by the time the ball finally comes out of his hand, the window's closed. Just bad. No redeeming qualities. This is I like I don't know why we're doing this. I don't know why we're doing this show right now. Talking about Iowa. uh, I wish that I could answer that question, but I cannot. (laughs) Um, I can't. If you guys have listened to us this long in the show you guys are really really a great audience because i i'm trying to be excited i'm trying to project these stats out in a manner that like i'm trying to be entertaining with this but it's honestly just making me sad that's fair kirk ferentz man how do you do this? How do you do this to us? I, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy about it, though, because we get to play this offense. At this point, though, like, it's not even it's not even Kirk Ferentz. Like, how has the administration allowed this to happen? Like, yeah. they are doing a major disservice to their fan base. Um, and, like, the funny thing that kind of keeps happening is uh, the guy at The Athletic who, like, writes about this. He keeps about Iowa, which, you know, if you if you pray, pray for him because he needs it. Um, I need to deal with Iowa fans. Yeah. Um, he basically keeps saying, like, technically, Brian Ferentz doesn't report to his dad because they're family, yet the A... So, technically, the AD could fire him, but he hasn't. What does that tell you? The Gary Barter was too focused on his college football playoff commissioner role that he... uh, or committee role that he uh, gave up on his own football program and it, like this or is honestly Brian like Ferentz knows where the bodies are hidden <laughs> like, oh all right yeah Brian Ferentz has been around that program more than anybody uh, how do you think that strength and conditioning coach got found out because he needed to take some steam off himself man it's just it's it's yeah. so crazy and it's just like my thing is like I understand that it may be hard to fire your son and if that's the case, just quit. Just demote him. 
Just quit. Just demote him back to offensive line coach. Like, like uh, I mean, preferably you fire him. And at this point, I think it's gotten so bad that they might have to fire him. But like, yeah, at a bare like you could have gotten ahead of this where it's not where it doesn't. Excuse me, where it doesn't get to this point by literally just firing, just like promoting him backwards by just like, hey, so because the people, some people who know things, I don't know who them people are, but some people who know things actually think that he was a good offensive line coach. Um, uh, yeah, he put a lot I, of guys in the NFL as an offensive line coach. Yeah, so like, you don't have to entirely fire him from the staff if you don't want to. Whatever. Like, if that's how you feel, if you think he has some merit, some worth, okay. I'm not mad at you. But the fact that you are blindly, like, keeping him is, like, it's literally, like, killing me. And um, the the crazy thing about it is just, like, the the arrogance. Like, people have mentioned it. And, you know, Brian, and this is why I think Brian Ferentz needs to retire. I think he's too old to care. And not, not, you know, trying to be ageist or anything. I just really think he's too old to care. He literally he's made too much nerds. money. Yeah, he literally had the nerve to say, I don't know if you knew this, but we won 10 games last year. Uh, okay, so because you won 10 Brian games Barrett's last year. Brian did win 10 games last year. Yes, but but so because you won 10 games last year, you can't improve. You can't be criticized. You can't get better. Like yeah. Ohio State won 11 games last year. And guess who's not happy about it? Anybody around the program. Everybody. And yes, we're guess how many coaches that, got replaced? Uh, a lot. How about that? Like, yeah. it, it's just like, it doesn't make any sense to me for someone to just be so you know and we all saw how that season ended for them like their offense couldn't move the ball against Michigan and their defense couldn't stop Michigan so you're 0 for 2 there Brian or Kirk Ferentz like yeah what are we talking about like literally like literally what are we talking about yeah What's I mean he's the worst thing is, like, I know you've got your list of coaches who need to be fired. It's doing pretty well right now. Uh, this guy's at the top of the list, and it won't happen. That's the worst part. Nope. He's going to have to step down. Uh, I, I, what, I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw, like, I always had three coaches for, like, the last 65 years. Which, I mean, sure, I guess that's good. But, like... <laughs> None of them will win a national championship, so it's not no. that good. Yeah. Consistency is overrated. Yeah. Like, you and don't especially change when consistency and get sucks. Like, yeah. this type of consistency. You don't change and get better without being willing to be uncomfortable. And just having a consistent coach who, you know, is not ever going to, you know, make your team better and, like, continue to fight. Why would I want that? Yeah, I'm with you. So, uh, I've got it. So, Kirk Ferentz, Hayden Fry, and Bob Cummings have coached uh, since 1974 consecutively. Those are the three coaches. They're both. They've all been five years or more. Um, not a single national championship was won. There's been five conference championships. All, all, all but one are shared. Uh, and that was Hayden Fry in 1985. Uh, and guess what? They were winning scores back then, 9 to 10. So literally nothing has changed Nope. for Iowa since 1985. That's a positive. That's that's what um, you want. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like 
I feel like I, I think I'm good there. I think we can go to break. I, I think I need a break. Honestly. <laughs> I, yeah. At this point, like at this point, I'm literally just like feeling myself getting angry because a pro, like I'm not like there are certain programs with higher expectations. And I'm not saying that Iowa should ever, you know, win a national championship. I understand that not everyone can do that. But the thing that we haven't even talked about is we haven't even talked about how the Big Ten is about to change. Like we haven't even talked about how it's going to get worse for them before it gets better because there's going to be more teams competing because they're not going to be able to feast on the weak West division anymore. And the West division outside of Northwestern's not weak no more. Like, yeah, Illinois I'm with is you. Good. And they're Purdue putting money in. It's good. Nebraska is not good currently, but they have explosive offense and they've always had better players. Um, Wisconsin, I guess, also not good right now, but they're not going to lose to Iowa. Like, it's not they're, what it used to be where you just could, like, you could book a couple easy wins and then you're going to add USC and UCLA. And it's just like, you're screwed. Like, you're literally screwed. For possibly losing to the 12 teams to like being 8th or 9th in just the Big Ten. And that is, uh, that's crazy to think about. But that's really what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm just thinking. Ah, we'll go to the effort. I'm going to think this thing over before I say it out loud to make sure I want to say it. Uh, but we'll see you guys when you get back. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie, for another episode of the Workout Podcast with Land Grant, Holy Land. I'm here with George Williams. And our anger is starting to creep into this show a little bit. I hope your anger is starting to creep into this show a little bit. I feel like Paul Feinbaum right now. It just is easing with like anger for whatever reason. But I hope football. Um, it's embarrassing. Very much so. Honestly. And the way it's ran's embarrassing. And, you know, the hardest part for me is, like, the last time Ohio State played them, they lost 55 to 24. But, like, so I started this show, like, respectful and all that. But the more I talk about this program, the more it makes me mad. Because yeah. they've fallen so far since 2018. And it makes no sense. And it really makes no sense whatsoever for them to be so bad and for them to have fallen so much. And for us who have nothing to do with the program to feel so passionately about it, when it doesn't seem like there, people care. Yeah, and I, I'll probably tell you, I feel like Iowa fans do care a lot. I just think they've accepted their reality, and that's even more sad. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, but I guess if you're willing to accept that reality, I think that's that's more on you. Because I tell you, if an Ohio if a, if an Ohio State coach said, "Well, we won ten games last year," there'd be I would, be, I would riot. What's his name? Tennessee Jeff would be in front of the horseshoe waving some flag about how COVID's not real and that Brian Day needs to be fired if he said something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I would I would freaking I would riot if. Uh, like Ryan Day was caught saying that. Built different. This program. That's that's the difference. That's the difference. Um, but I will say, Iowa. I, I like. I've always respected Iowa, and I think the last couple of years I've lost the respect. I, that's I would say. Thing. I would say that that's fair. And I used to be. I never really defended Kirk Ferentz, but I always said, "Hey." 
Dude wins football games. You can't really complain about it. But now you can't because it's not about just winning football games. They're losing games they should be winning. And, yeah, I, I think I think we got to move on. I think we got to get back to the good guys. We got to get back to the good guys. Yeah, because this is starting to get depressing. Yeah, I, I like – I know. It, it is. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to say Ryan Day's lying again, but – uh, We've expected not that. as egregiously. I think there's some truths in there, but it's it's still. I, I don't get this guy. Uh, moving on. Uh, so yeah, you know, bye weeks. Uh, they 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 exist. You know, your team gets a rest. To some people, that's a good thing. To uh, most people, it's a good thing. But I always think like a lot of people take this as like a strategic advantage. But I feel like when you come off a game where you scored as well as Ohio State did, you have to think, could this throw them out of their rhythm? And I I just wanted to see if that's something you thought could happen, like they come out flat. Um, No. That's the thing. Like, Ohio State hasn't really come out flat against um, much with Ryan Day, which is a, a major positive. Um, but also, I think that um, what am I trying to say? I think that while this is a helmet game of sorts, right? This is not a game that you could come out flat in. Like, you know, you could come out flat against Toledo, potentially. Like, you can't come out flat against Iowa. And despite the fact that we think Ryan Day's a liar, and he is, um, there are just certain things that um, are true, like the positive things that we have already said about um, Iowa that makes this a game that you can't sleep on. Because if you do sleep into this game, two turnovers and it turned, and, and it and it changes the entire thing. So, um, no, I, I don't think that there's any chance that they come out flat. That is not something that concerns me at all yeah i was just curious because i know like you know time off i i think about it like i went on a trip for three days that monday coming back was a little bit tougher to get started on uh but i i'm with you ryan day has done a really good job in helmet games of getting everybody up uh i i think seeing that mike hall is going to be healthy got me really excited because if he could do that at seven snaps i want to see what he could do at 30 uh but I think let's get into some expectations here. Offensively, this is by far the best defense Ohio State's faced. Um, I got this question. is: is, Should there be an expectation that they maintain their perfect red zone performance? And then the second part of it, will they continue their balanced attack? Because I I made a bold prediction on my YouTube channel. I think they run for 200 yards. I think they throw for 300 yards. I think it's perfectly – it's like exactly the way – it's Thanos with his little thing, the ninth. That's how I see it. Yeah, so I think, yes, that they um, maintain their perfect red zone. Um, Because, like, the perfect red zone includes field goals. And I don't, especially with the the use of the eye formation and things like that, I don't see us... um, like I don't see us losing. Um, like throwing. Sorry, I'm like losing my. I'm losing my train of thought. I don't see us throwing an interception, and knock on the closest piece of wood near you, everyone listening. And my, my um, 
this team doesn't fumble a lot. And Iowa doesn't really force a lot of fumbles. They're kind of really an interception team, which is kind of interesting yep. for a team that gets so many turnovers. So, um, no, I'm not really super concerned, I guess, about that. I do think that we um, do that. As far as the balanced offense, um, I, I, actually, this may be a game that's a little unbalanced. I could see Ryan Day just saying, like, we don't need to throw against this team. We don't want to risk it. Both of our running backs are healthy. We're going to throw the ball a lot. Mm-mm. Run the ball a lot. I don't know. Like, I just made the whole case for running the ball and then put throwing at the end. Um, so I'm not 100% sure yeah. if this is a game where we maintain, like, the, um, you know, the consistency and the equality or whatever yeah, that's- the word you said right now. But I do think that this is a this may be a very run-heavy-centric kind of game. Yeah, that's kind of where I was at. I, I'm hoping that T.J. Stroud gets his stats for all the things we talked about earlier in the show, like the awards you know, the all-American voting and all that stuff. But this also feels like a game where it could be like Ohio State versus Northwestern a few years ago where they got a hot hand with the back and they just absolutely just obliterate Iowa's defensive line and just run all over them, which if they run for 300 yards and throw for 200 yards, I'd be happy with that too. Hey, I like it. Listen, I'm not going to complain. I'd probably be happier with that, honestly. I, I think people I, – I love passing. I played receiver. I've been an offensive guy my whole life, despite, you know, all the things I've said about defense. I, I love running the football. It is one of the best when your team could do it. And, like, I'm not going to be that guy, but, like, it's been kind of fun watching – you know, that school up north run the football the last few weeks. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a game like that for us. Yeah. And I honestly, like, if you, if, you know, gun to my head, you ask me, like, you know, what is going to happen in this game, that's what I would predict that we run the ball a lot. Yeah. And I don't know. It's not like Iowa doesn't give a lot of one on one matchups for receivers, especially guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I, I just think the second question, like, do you, how much do you think JSN plays? Do you think he plays? Like, they've been very coy about his injury coming back. Like, I think he plays. I don't know, like, what, 15, 20 snaps? Yeah, probably. I think and honestly, know, 15 to 20 is probably a good, you know, amount. Decoy, mostly, honestly. I don't even know, but I think, actually, I think Ryan Day will feed him. I would really? like it. I, I want to see J.S. Hink get his catches. I still think he could have a thousand yards this year. Yeah, and I mean six games. He has enough time. I mean that's six games in the regular season, not include yeah. the playoffs and stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, but if he gets the nine games left, he could easily get thousand yards. I believe it. Man, that would be crazy. That'd be crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I expect Ohio State's offense too. I, I think Wisconsin's honestly a pretty good barometer because I, I do think when you look at Wisconsin, like their their defense ranks way worse now, but that's after, you know, firing their coach. That's after, you know, some bad performances earlier in the season. But Jim Leonard's still a dude. Like, you know, he still has had a lot of success as a defensive coordinator. Um so I'm sure I, I expect I expect them to come out of this bye week. Fresh. That's the word I was looking for this whole show. I expect them to be fresh, healthy, healthiest they've been since the start of the season. And then from there, 
that's just dangerous. Yeah, and uh, what did um, what did Marvin Harrison Jr. say? He said, "Pick one and pray." Yeah, that, that's 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 the defensive game plan. Pick one and pray. That's, that's pretty cool for a guy <laughs> his age to say. Honestly, I thought that was hilarious, and it's like, and it's funny because like just watching the video, it's like he wasn't trying to be a dick. Like, like you could tell he almost that he didn't want to answer the question, and he's just like, it's like I don't know. You pick one and pray, I guess. Like it was just like it was. Yeah, like I agree. It was really cool. Um, the amount of confidence in the receiver room, it, like if you could just inject me with a little of that for my week to week basis, like. Give me some of that. Uh, defensively, this is interesting. I don't even know what to expect. This isn't even coming out of a bye week or anything. It's just like, what is a good performance for a defense against Iowa? A shutout? Right? That's where I, I didn't want to say it, but like, I feel like if you give up a touchdown, that's not good. Yeah. I feel like they, you could give up one drive against Iowa where they like get lucky and get like one of those nice play action passes they draw up every once every like 45 plays that finds their good tight end. I don't know, man. Coming off a of bye week, I don't even know if you can do that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I like their offense is terrible, and our defense is playing at that top 10 level we've talked about. So what – like, I, I feel like this is the game. It, like, if Ohio State's going to shut out a team this year, this is the game. It should be. That's how I felt about it. That's how I've been thinking about it coming in. You know, if we're going to shut out somebody, why not now? It. what did I say last week? I said if, like – like, on our Friday show, I said – if Ohio State shuts out Iowa defensively and they still have like a pick six or something, it's still a shutout. So yeah, I agree. If I predict fifty six to zero and they give up a pick six, I'm still right. That's what I'm saying. That's how you should feel. Uh, man, if they won fifty six to zero, I don't even know what I'd do with myself. Um, everyone, if they do that. You should listen to the instant recap. We're probably going to go forever, but it's going to be very, very fun. It'll be worth it. Absolutely worth it. All right. Uh, let's get into the coaches because I feel like we need to balance our disrespect for the offense. And we, we gave the defense plenty of respect. I feel like we did a good job respecting the, the the defense. I, I like. I really liked Phil Parker. I know when we were like going through everything and saying, "Hey, like, who's the defense coordinator you want?" We all were kind of like, "Hey, that Phil Parker at Iowa, be kind of nice. Kind of nice to have that guy." Uh, but we got Jim Knowles, and I love Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles is exactly who we thought he was. Uh, that old saying from that one coach. Uh, but I want to hear what they I, I like just I, I pulled a few you want to get started with the head ball coach or Jim Knowles do you want to save the liar or do we want to get to the truther first let's let's get him out the way let's just get yeah, the liar so tired. out of the way <laughs> tired of this liar this guy I'm just not saying anything real like I coach speak there's one thing is coach speak Another thing is completely lying to our faces because we're the public and he thinks we're so dumb. 
It's like, because at a certain point, it's like, do you just think I'm I'm not intelligent? It's like, do you not respect us as fans? Like, we see this. We we listen to your radio show. We see what you're trying to do to us. But we have uh, eyes. we're not dumb I, fans. I, I want to start with the lying. Honestly, this was so funny. Uh, a few quotes. They play off of each other really well, talking about Iowa's offense and defense. They try to control the game. They do a good job establishing the run. Uh, they said that Iowa's number one goal is to win the game. They play complimentary football as good as anybody. Come on, man. Like, that's just egregious. Is it complimentary to play some of the best defense in the country and have the worst offense in the Power Five by a significant margin? I don't think that's complimentary. That's man, that is just egregious. That's just bad. Like why 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 are you we doing this, Ryan? Like I'd say their special teams and their defense play incredible complimentary football. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, we could go there. Like, like if that's what we want to talk about, sure. Let's talk about that. To sit here and lie to my face, Ryan Day, and say that Iowa Well, let me let me pull it back up. I, I accidentally closed it out. Uh Iowa plays complimentary football as good as anybody. That includes your own team, Ryan Day. That includes a lot of teams, actually. You're going to sit here and tell me that to my face. Yeah. Why are we With doing this? Face. For what reason? Like I, I get it. Michigan State on the road, first big game. You know, do what you got to do, right? Do what you got to do to get hyped up for a road game. I know the sting of 2017 still hurts you, Ryan Day, but I am not living in a world where my head coach lies to me about I would be bad or complimentary football playing. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm telling you guys, I am reading between the lines here for Ryan Day. At a and he, certain, he, 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 yeah, you go ahead. At a certain point, like, is he is he like getting off on this? Like like is, is, is he like he's like hey, like like watch watch this watch watch what I say? Like I feel like this has to be an inside joke. Like I feel like he goes back and the coaches like um, just crack up about it. Yeah, they like, go in. Like, I literally just I, I literally just feel like they they go in there and he's like hey hey watch this watch this I, I, I like what can I say this time. You know, like what? What can yeah. I do? How can I make this team sound good? Because uh, if that is not what he's doing, man, explain yeah. it to me. Uh, I just, I, I thought this one was honestly more egregious than the Michigan State one. Because to that point, like from a recruiting standpoint, Michigan State might have been the most talented team Ohio State played that far. Like that was like a lie, but like wasn't that big of a lie? No, I mean not this yet. one. Best complimentary in the country. Like, what are you talking about, man? Like, who who believes this? Honestly, at this point, man, if I That's was these other teams, to me than what we say, when we're all excited. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, honestly, man, if I was these teams, I'd be offended. <laughs> like, he's making fun of us. 
Like he's making fun of us. Like he he does not take us serious. He's going out to his press conference. I would use it as bulletin board material. And I don't know exactly how to use it as bulletin board material without being like, hey guys, we're shitty and this dude's lying on national TV, but like find a way. Yeah. Because like like come on. Nobody nobody thinks that they're playing complimentary football. Yeah, no, I what, what defines complimentary football? Like everything's technically complimentary football. So I guess in that way he's not lying. But in the fact of being like a real person, he is. So yeah. that's all I wanted to get that out of the way. I think we get into where Ryan Day was telling the truth uh, for a little bit. Oh man, that was fun. I love calling the head. I, I, I kind of get a rush calling the head coach a liar because I, I want like I know you guys. I know most of the listeners know we're joking, but I'm not. He's a there, liar. There's always that one. There's always that one. He's like, he told the truth. I was a complimentary football team. It's like, no, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> Freaking liar. Why are we doing this? And like, I'm not saying like I was like terrible. Their offense is, but their defense is still good. That's not complimentary, but they still have some strengths. I mean, everyone has a couple of strengths, I guess. Like, yeah. Uh, all right, uh, getting into some real stuff here. A uh, quick transition here. Uh, on the bye week, Ryan Day said we wanted to get some rest, but also wanted to work on some fundamental things. Uh, my favorite time of year was bye week practices because that's usually where we just. You know, you run routes on air. You do all the little fun stuff that you like to do at football practice without all, like, the actual, like, hard, like, beat me up type of stuff. Um, that goes all the way back to when I was a kid. You, you play the games. You do that, like, basketball stuff with the the trash cans on Friday still. You get to do all the fun stuff, but you don't have to beat each other up for a week. Um for that, listening to the fundamentals thing, I think that's directed at one position group, honestly. I mean, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I, um, I agree and I disagree because I do think one of the best parts about the bye week is you can just in general as a team focus on fundamentals yourself. because yeah. you don't have time to – like you just genuinely don't have time to do that during the week. So I do think that is – in general, like a true ish statement, but at the same time, like he's lying. Not well, he's not lying. You know, maybe, maybe, yeah, they, I, maybe oh. I, maybe I too get off on calling him a liar. Um, because this is just like flirty and slipping, but um, there is one team more than others that needed that. Yeah, and they obviously all worked on fundamentals, like all jokes aside. Like they definitely – every position group did. I just think with his pointed words towards the cornerback group, he wanted to emphasize that the team worked on fundamentals during the break. Yeah, as he should. Next on the list, uh, he said the – on the health of the team – he said, I think it was good for us, the bye week, that is. Uh, we were going to get some guys back, which is great. Um, the two running backs are back healthy. Jackson Smith and Jigba still, like, in that gray area, but I think a lot of people are assuming he's coming back. Um, I'm trying to think. There's one more. Jordan Hancock. We might be seeing him first time. Iowa, how does that make you feel? I think that's a good game for a corner to come back to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, do you? I know it was a pretty serious injury and it happened at camp. Did we ever find out what happened to him, though? 
calf, I think. Calf or hamstring? Oh, oof. Soft yeah. tissue. That, that, that is tough. Deep tissue. If it's deep tissue and soft tissue, that's when it's like you get the double combination. I don't know. Yeah, it obviously helps them out. to that. Like you can't even like really get there. Like just time. Because like with other ones, like you can massage it, you can do this, you can do that. But deep tissue, you can't touch that really. So it's just like yeah, it's just. And- what it takes to touch it is like it's a workout it hurts it's not good and it takes time to go through that process enough times to create healing yeah so like you know those therapy things the ones that like you press the button they do the massaging the like the with the like the guns you said the massage guns yeah yeah like you got the one pointed tip that's for deep tissue Mm -hmm. that makes you cry Oh, yeah, they don't so feel good at all. No. So that's what they're working with, if you guys know what I'm talking about. Kevin Love, like, is a investor in one. Isn't, is, is he? Yeah, Theragun or something. Which makes sense, given his history. So I mean, I'm guessing it's a pretty good product. Not lying there. Uh, yeah, but I think health I, – I so through the first, like, six games, I'd say that's been Ohio State's biggest weakness. Like, you know – we even like when we're talking about the cornerbacks, a big issue is Denzel Burke and Cam Brown weren't full participants a lot of fall camp and you lose Jordan Hancock. So you're getting guys who aren't fully healthy starting the season. So this team just getting healthy. That's that's scary for everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And I say this all the time. I believe in giving credit when you give criticism. And um, Denzel Burke played pretty solid the last two games as he kind of started to work back from his injury. It didn't help that it coincided with Cam Brown coming back and playing a terrible game. But Denzel Burke, it hasn't been special. It hasn't been like the the things I guess you kind of say we were hoping to see, but he has played better. So, you know, maybe between getting healthy, the bye week, the focus on, uh, you know, fundamentals that, um, you know, we may actually be moving somewhere positive yeah. uh, with our cornerback play. And- it's like that point you brought up, like during the week, during the season, everything's so rushed that you don't really get an opportunity to work on those fundamentals. So he's working back in. It's more focused on game planning. It's more focused on those team drills that are physical and all that stuff. And it's more focused on um, just that overall, we need to prepare for Saturday. And now in that bye week, you get to like go back, rewatch the film, evaluate it, see where you're really going wrong and focus on those fundamentals to get it right. So if Tim Walton did his job, and I think this is actually a really big checkpoint for him, for both of us. And like, are we in on Tim? Are we out on Tim? If his group comes out of this week, then I was going to be a tough one, but then they get Penn state. If he comes out and next two games, they look clean, crisp and don't give up any of those big plays. Like we're in a good place. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I listen, I can't say that I'm not already out on him, but yeah. It's it's early, I guess. There there's yeah. time for me to get back into the fold. I'm already like looking ahead to see who we hire next in the fall. Like, okay, this didn't work. Who do we hire? Um but Yeah, and he's gotta undo all the work at Kerry Combs. No, I'm just kidding. He's a good corners <laughs> coach. Bad DC. Sorry, I hate it. We dragged him like three shows in a row for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I've said something three shows in a row. Uh, I, I won't say that. If there's no reason. He, I think he gave us a pretty good reason, you know, if you ask me. Yeah. 
Maybe not for the corners, but for everybody else, yeah. All right, what else we got? What else we got from these coaches? Uh, This one is true. Day said it all starts up front, certainly in the Big Ten, and then the linebackers really understand what is happening up front. So not only in in the game of college football, it starts up front, but more specifically in the Big Ten where you got big boys on the offensive line and defensive line. So I think – if Ohio State's defensive line could dominate another opponent, especially Iowa's offensive line, who hasn't been great, but, you know, it's just another notch in the belt. Yeah. Um, another but, physical team. Yeah, I think yeah. this is going to be a game because I, I'm at this point I'm very much leaning towards, like, just total domination. This could be another game with a bunch of sacks because, like, you know, we talked about sacks and why it's not this and why it's not that, and you don't, you shouldn't worry about it too, too much and all that other kind of stuff, which, uh, again, I agree with. You know, I'm, I, I'm one of the people that brought that up and mentioned it. Um, but uh, their quarterback can't move, so can't move. Know, like and he holds on to the ball forever. And they don't really do the RPO thing, so like there's no reason. Like if this is a game where we only finish with like two sacks, like I'm gonna be a little bit concerned. Yeah, I think four would be a good place to set the line. If they can get four sacks, I think that's an incredible, that's a successful day. I would agree with that because this uh, guy is not any sort of threat on the on using his legs and they don't really do RPOs, so the ball's just really not coming out quick. And every somehow they throw pass. the ball as much as we do. So <laughs> there's going to be a lot of opportunities to uh to sack. Yeah. Yeah, seeing that Spencer Petrus and CJ Stroud have the same amount of pass attempts as mine bottling yeah, and uh, CJ Stroud. Absolutely hilarious. It's not about the attempts, it's about what you do with them. That's a lesson for all of you. And he's doing nothing. Yeah. All right. So we already talked about Ryan Dave being a liar still. One of these days he'll tell the truth. We'll get it out of him. I, I like this would be like if he heard us saying that, that would make my life. Like honestly. Like one yeah. day Ryan Day's like, Yeah, these two guys keep calling me a liar on their show. That'd be pretty funny. I mean that that would I would I would I'd tell my mom I made it. <laughs> because I'm in the coach's head. Listen, you know, I, I got real estate in Ryan Day's head. And he's a millionaire, so it's expensive real estate. Yeah. It would be like it's not even about if he knows my name, it's just about that he knows what I said. That's it's good, even that's, bigger. That's good enough. This is an audio platform. It, he doesn't need to know who I am. Yeah, I'd prefer that actually. If he doesn't know who I am, but he knows I called him a liar. Hey. I think that's best case scenario. I'm not mad at that at all. It's honestly like Banksy. It's like what? Banksy? Banksy, yeah, you know. We put the art out there, no one knows who he is. That's what Ryan Day would think of us if he did that. Uh, our art is so our art is so good, it's getting to the head coach and he thinks we're calling him a liar. And that's I don't know, that was a reach, but I, I'd like to consider myself a Banksy of podcasting. Yeah, I don't get that reference, but it sounds like a good thing, so I'm with it. All right. That's all we need. Teamwork makes stream work. Yeah. Um <laughs> All right, Tim Knowles. Yeah, I only got two. I, I like we already kind of mentioned Marvin Harrison. I like the players talk and the they the reporters give them softballs. So it's, I don't really get a lot from them. Like every once in a while they'll drop a bomb, like the one you brought up with Marvin Harrison Jr. But uh, Knowles on the Iowa offense using tight ends a lot. 
He said, it's a concern. So Jim Knowles is a liar now. He got the memo. This is the best tight end, two of them since Notre Dame. You give those guys too much space, they'll kind of body you up. Uh, All right, that's the truth. Uh, It's a concern. I guess, like, if they can body you up and that gets you into the position where they can make a play, that is a concern. Like, yeah. So, so yes, I, I'm not going to – I have the tendency to downplay some things. This is a concern, yes. And I think as a defensive coordinator, you have to strive for certain things, so you always have to say stuff like that. From a fan perspective, yeah. I'm not super concerned because we played great against Michael Mayer, but it is absolutely true that tight ends, boxing out your linebackers. I mean, look what just happened to USC. Uh, Utah's tight yeah, end had 16 catches for 200-something yards. Like, body them just so it is definitely a concern I don't think he was lying about that I don't think he was talking in relation to his defense and what he thinks is going to happen I think he was just talking about the concept of in general and like how to guard tight ends and, and how that can become a problem I think that is how I would take that yeah I agree I mean I was I, I think they are a team that will run 31 personnel they 13 personnel. Sorry, guys. I lied to you. I'm a liar now. It's rubbing off on me. Uh, They'll run 13 personnel. uh, Three tight ends on the field, one running back, one receiver. It's ugly. It's ugly stuff, but they'll do it. And it's it's really – it's interesting. It is. And Ohio State played Wisconsin, who does that. They played Notre Dame, who likes to get two tight ends on the field a lot. So they are prepared from it from a personnel standpoint. But I do think – Honestly, I'd say Wisconsin's tight end and Laporta are very, like, comparable players. And, you know, I think those – they've played three really good tight ends this year. So, I I think they're prepared for it. Yeah, 100%. Um, I would agree with that fully. Uh, Let me see. Let me see. What else we got? What else we got? I got one more for the day. And this was just kind of something I think we mentioned during the bye week about the corners. He said, not about the corners, about the defense, but we talked about this with the corners. Uh, he said, you do learn from even the plays you don't make. You can coach off of it. I thought we had a good week. We, we challenge. Uh, so some of that stuff out of context doesn't really make sense. But in practice, they challenge each other. They challenge the players to get better. Um and they learned a lot from the mistakes they've made so far. So can you ask for much more for a bye week? No, I don't think so. But I do want to see it on the field. And that's really all I have for that one. Yep. I'm very excited to, especially for the defense, because like while we joke and question sometimes if Ryan Day self-scouts, because sometimes it seems like he doesn't, I know for an absolute fact that Jim Knowles does. So I'm very excited to see Jim Knowles off a bye week, what he does, what he comes up with, um, and how the defense looks, how it changes, how some personnel changes, um, like that kind of stuff. Like I'm I know for a fact is going to happen and I'm very excited to kind of witness that. Um, because like, I mean, he's just, we pay him almost or exactly $2 million for a reason. He is a, a genius. He's a savant. Before, and like seven Mac coaches combined. Yeah. And you gave him, you know, a week of essentially no players. Cause they do let the players not really go home. Cause they have class, but like not be around as much. You gave him a week of like no players where all he has to do is just sit and lock himself away, man. 
Dangerous. I think we're going to come out and it's going to be even better. Because like we said, he keeps adding little wrinkles to his scheme. I don't think we're going to see anything complicated against Iowa because you don't need something complicated. But I do think you're going to have a very well-prepared unit. Yeah, I think I could agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's self-scouting. You know, I think oh, we, we were on Ryan Day for that, too. And I think you finally did it this offseason. And he brought in his boy, Justin Fry, and that's all the self-scouting he needed to do. I mean, you self-scouted to know that you were very yeah. bad at something and brought in a guy who could fix it. Yeah. I support that. Brought in multiple guys to fix the things that they were bad at. So respect to the head man for that. Not everyone would do it. Nope. Especially uh, after an 11 win campaign. Like, I'm, I am yeah. just going to keep saying that because it is kind of crazy that uh, yeah, at, at Ohio State, 11 wins isn't enough. And to bring it like full circle, we literally talked about Iowa for 30 minutes just being the opposite of that. Like, 10 wins is good enough. Like, we just won 10 win- games. Like, I just, I still can't believe a coach said that. Like, out of his mouth, at a press conference. Yeah, I don't know. Kirk Ferentz sucks. I don't like him. He obviously surrounds himself with great people. So uh, that would be that. Remember when Urban Meyer hired that guy? That was crazy. What yeah. Like, what are you talking? Come on, dude. Seriously, seriously. Like, this is what we're you doing. You get sticked out by the NFL. Come on. Man. Oh man, like this. I mean, that guy. No man, words. That guy. No words. Uh, all right. Last thing I want to talk about today before we give our final thoughts, score prediction. Uh, I, I want to have a quick conversation. We we put our top six teams on Twitter every week. Uh, I haven't done that yet, actually. I should post that right when we get off just so they have it. Maybe in the morning. I don't know. Um, top six teams in the country. Uh I've got Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Tennessee, Clemson, and TCU in that order. Jordan, how, how do you have it right now? I've got in the show plan if you want to read it to the audience. Yeah, I have Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan. What? No. No, I, I thought I had Michigan. You do. Oh, I did, you put, the, I did put them up there. Ohio State, Georgia, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama. All right, gotcha. All right. Uh, so we're pretty much the same in the top four, I think. One and two, we've pretty much locked those two in place until they show us something different. I've got Michigan three. I, I think their run has been a little bit more. I, I'm not. I'm not going to be blinded by Alabama. That's pretty much where I want this conversation to go. Um, four. I have Tennessee. You have them three. Uh, a lot of people have them number one, Tripping. and that makes me nauseous because I hate recency bias. I hate looking at things. In uh, the moment, you know, there, there's a lot of prisoners of the moment this week, this past weekend. And that's and I just want to ask you, I want to ask you this question. If you beat a number three team at home by three points on a last second field goal, when they almost made a last second field goal, I don't know how good the kick was. I didn't see it. But does that mean you're the best team in the country? Absolutely, if you're three points better? Absolutely not. And the third best team. If that team was Ohio State, you wouldn't be getting number one votes. It's just because it's Alabama and the hype that is around Bama. Um, and, and I think that. So for me, like, first of all, I hate doing these. 
uh, in general, like, because I think that, um, you know, whatever. But for me, the way that I do it and I, how I think anyone should do it is, okay, you have this group of teams who are doing things and are doing them well, supposedly, because you are putting them in your top six. Who would beat who? Which is why I have Tennessee over Michigan, because I think that Tennessee could beat Michigan, but it's very close. But just jump to number one over, especially over a team who, um, like, hasn't looked good. Like Bama's almost lost twice. They, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, Bama is a Quinn Ewers injury away, uh, Jimbo Fisher not calling the plays away from potentially being a three and three football team this year. And I know. And I know, like, the results happen on the field, and they were they're five and one right now. And you got to respect that for sure. But it's not the same Bama team we've gotten used to seeing year in and year out. They don't have any receivers. Their offensive line's not that great. And their secondary is atrocious right now. Yeah. Oh. And they were the number three G. I, they, Alabama honestly reminded me so much of like what Ohio State felt like last year, where you could see there's like a talent there. There's a good group, but there's just something not clicking. And for me, it's probably Bill O'Brien and their defensive coordinator, <laughs> Both who I don't think either of them are very good. So, And they're blowing this thing up. So... Yeah, like speaking of this, me and Dante got because Dante is somehow oddly a Bama fan, and we got into this conversation. And I literally told him, I said, "Listen, every Ohio State fan is going to understand what I'm saying. What Bama is doing is what hurt Ohio State. And yes, they're still going to be good enough to win a bunch of games, but this is why Ohio State doesn't have more than one national championship. I said the signs at Ohio State were very clear." They weren't developing certain positions. Nobody in the country wanted to hire their coordinators, which is happening, which is why Pete Golding's been there for so long. The head coach started hiring friends. um, And um, and it's like you start to see these little you start to see these little cracks and, and, and they get upset by a team that they shouldn't like last year getting upset. Like Tennessee's fine, whatever. But last year they lost to Texas A&M. That is a Ken. If it wasn't a name thing, that's akin to Ohio State losing to Iowa or losing to uh, Michigan State when that happened. Like, you start to see these little cracks. And then, yeah, you still win 10, 11 games, whatever, but you don't get over the hump. You don't win the national championship. And I'm just like, these are the little things that are happening with Bama, and I've seen them with my own eyes. And I'm telling you, it doesn't end well. Yeah, it, it's definitely something where we finally saw it with Ryan Day. He looked in the mirror, he looked at the coaching staff and said, man, this isn't good enough for me. We need to get better. And I don't know if Nick Saban, and I, I, I believe he is still capable of being that cutthroat. And if they don't win out and they end up losing two or three games this year, which is very possible, uh they will have a lot of new coaches next year. Listen, you say that, but there's been Pete Golding should have been fired two, three years ago. Like, I mean, I mean, maybe the yeah, of all that this, is he was part of a national championship team. He should have been fired after the national championship. They didn't have a good defense then. Yeah, you had Mac Jones, you had Devontae Smith, you had that group. Because here's the thing. The thinking that you have, right, is fine. It's fair. But that's 
non-urban mind. That's non-Nick uh, Saban. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that has separated Nick Saban from everyone from else. From the rest of everybody else. Like Ohio State saying, yeah, we can't fire him yet because he was a part of the national championship. I get it. Maybe no, I don't like it, it right, yeah. but I get it. That Ohio State saying, hey, this is guy's a legend here. He's from Cincinnati. He's coached here before. Give him a chance to make this defensive coordinator thing work. I get it. It happened to give him a chance. But Nick Saban did not do that. And so that is what has separated him from everyone else. And the fact that he's doing that is a problem. It's like he's getting a little too complacent, which makes sense because he's like 70 something. He probably should retire and not because he can't still coach or whatever. But like, don't you got grandkids, man? You got great grandkids. What are you doing? He's complaining about like again, like he complained about Jimbo Fisher and NIL during the offseason, which led to that whole thing. You know, it's it's. I, I'm never going to be the guy who says the game's passing. Say bye. It's just there is a changing landscape, and it's it's not as easy of a place to work. And when you're like we talk about this all the time, this is like the biggest conversation we had about Michigan State and why they weren't going to be as good this year. When you live and die by the transfer portal, you are asking for Jameson Williams every single year. That's just not going to happen. No, I mean that's like. Literally impossible. Like you kind of got that with Jameer Gibbs, but like that's like I like running backs are dime a dozen for Alabama. They have they have McClellan right behind them. Like like it's not necessarily a uh, matter of talent there. It's just you can scheme up to stop a run game. It's harder to scheme up and stop a dynamic pass catching threat. And multiple at that. So I, I just don't know where they go from here. I'm not going to count them out. I'm not. They have a pretty easy route there. The SEC West is not very strong this year. Uh, but I don't think they're up there with Georgia because um, I think Georgia's better than Tennessee. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I could see that for sure. And, and that's, that's the other thing I mentioned. I was like, Nick Saban. I mean, it, like they played a running back. I mean, for, okay, Mac Jones, whatever. It worked out, if I guess. But two years in a row, are they were they the same year? No, they were two years in a row. They had fifth or sixth year seniors who don't typically play at Bama starting for them, and one won a national championship. That's great, but their running game last year with that running back was not that good. And so it's like it's these things like these players weren't playing for a reason. You're starting to kind of see some little like cracks, like their backup quarterback not being good when he got into the game. We've seen Bama backup quarterbacks for like six years be the best player on the field. Yeah, you went from Jalen Hurts to Tua Tagovailoa to Mac Jones, and like. With Mac Jones being the worst of those three guys in the NFL, like that says everything you need to know. And then your backup after that was freaking Bryce Young. Yeah, I didn't even count that. That's crazy. Um, that's a four. That's a four-year stretch there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like that's uh, that's crazy. So it's just- yeah, I I'm just tired of the prisoner of the moment nature of college football fans. Uh, uh, Tennessee hasn't won. A game against they beat Pitt in overtime. They beat most teams by single digits. Like, what's that mean to me? It means there's a glaring weakness and they're surviving right now. Yep. 
I was I I mean college football's beat the the teams down so much you got Clemson in your top six now. I didn't think I'd see that coming. I didn't either. But I didn't trust TCU. Like I said, I try to do it. Like I hate on Clemson, but I try to do it, and Clemson would beat TCU. So it's just like, yeah, there was nobody else. <laughs> like there's nobody else, and I just wasn't rewarding Bama for losing. So you get right back in next week. That's fair. That's fair. But you know, give some other teams some love. Uh, but yeah, I, I, Clemson's sneaky. Um, but I, I think let's transition to some final thoughts here. Um, I, I, I was, I, I didn't really have any like glaring final thoughts, but I, it was interesting. You know, I, I love when writers use the words, I don't want to punish anyone for not playing, but then you go a whole week punishing Ohio state and their players for not playing when you're doing all these mid season awards. Like if all the all American awards came out a week before that Alabama, Tennessee game, CJ Stroud's like probably a consensus all American. Very, very easily. So I, I think that's kind of annoying me is the people who are paid to look at this sport objectively are being taken in by the moment. And that's something that I that rubbed me the wrong way this past week. No. And that's my final thought. I, th- I Yeah, honestly, I don't have nothing else to say about that. I think that's that's perfect. Uh, I could continue on by saying like Tommy E not being on there, Mike Hall not being on any, like some of these other things is kind of crazy, but I think it kind of all like um, it, it kind of all is encapsulated in them somehow picking Hendon Hooker over CJ Stroud. Yeah, and you know, it's the fans' jobs to be prisoners of the moment, and it's the writers, the journalists, their job to provide the context. And I like you have the best resume. Why? Because you beat Alabama by three points at home. Alabama was lost to Texas. Texas is a four and two. Like, what are we doing here? Jimbo Fisher. I'm not even sure Texas A&M's five hundred right now. You were not wrong. All right, all right, all right. This was a, this is a fun show. I think it, it's been a while since we've had Angry Jordan and Chris on a show, so I enjoyed that. Uh, final score prediction for Ohio State, Iowa. I'm going to pull up the the betting stuff just so we kind of get some reference here on what we're predicting. Uh, it's a noon game. Ohio State's pretty good at noon. Uh, Ohio State's a 30 point favorite according to DraftKings and Sportsbook. Uh, that's pretty high. Yeah, I think they went by thirty though. It went up. I saw uh, twenty nine, so it went up by one, which is you know fair. I, I think I'm gonna go. See, it's the hardest part for me right now is thinking about how many points Iowa scores. I'm gonna go forty nine to zero. Ooh, okay. Wow, this I feel like I'm almost always higher than you. And I'm not this time. I was gonna go forty two. I didn't think you were gonna hit forty. Yeah, no, I'm feeling bold. Forty nine zero for me. Forty two zero for you. We're both calling shutouts. Yeah, I'm ready for it. They I say speak it into existence. I'm speaking a shutout into existence. I've tried three or four times this year already, so one of yeah. these is bound to hit. This is going to be the one. This is the worst offense. This is going to be the one. 
And if they don't, I'm calling this game the most colossal failure of an Ohio State defense since Gary Combs was the defense coordinator. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's all I got today. Uh, Ohio State versus Iowa Saturday. Big noon kickoff. Um, you follow me at Chris Rennie CFB on Twitter. You could uh, follow the show at Buck Off Pod. Uh, Jordan, where can we find you on social media? And is there anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me um, at Jordan W330. Really nothing to plug. Uh, a couple good articles went out. Uh, I typically just do the big thoughts thing. So um, that's pretty. You know, it, it, it kind of has a cadence of like what I'm doing, but I did write a special article about Illinois. So that that came out. That's pretty cool. If you want to check that out. Um, other than that, just, you know, I-70 show, fuck off an instant recap. Same old, same old. Yep. Catch us after the game on Saturday in the same feed. Uh, we'll see you guys then.